All right, and welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Instant Reaction Podcast. We are back once again to break down another Tennessee win. My name is Rick Butler. Joined with me, as always, is Ryan Shumpert. Ryan, we are here in the Pittsburgh press box right now. It is about 10 o'clock uh, in, the, in the evening, at night, I guess I should say. And boy, did we witness a wild game today. Tennessee defeated Pittsburgh in overtime by a score of 34-27. to We're going to break it all down. How you doing, though? It's been a long day. It's been a long day, and it feels like we got a long night ahead of us. So much to, to talk about here right now, and then a lot to, to write about as well and have on the site. But a thrilling win, and certainly one that the Vols got done. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you look at this game, there are so many different things to get into. And we'll do our best to, to knock it out here on this Instant Reaction podcast. But really, I guess just for starters, kind of the flow of the game was was weird tonight, right? It started out with a lot of momentum in Pittsburgh's favor. They had the crowd with them. And let's also say that, hey, Tennessee, all credit to them and everybody who traveled because Tennessee certainly brought a, a raucous group to the to the stadium today. But Pittsburgh had a lot of momentum and they had a lot of energy at the beginning of the game, took advantage of a couple Tennessee mistakes, was able to just drive the ball in some long grinding drives, it felt like, and really kind of took the momentum at the beginning of the game. Then, before halftime, in the second quarter, Tennessee goes on a uh, 17-0 run to uh, uh, to get it a little bit closer. I believe it was 24-17 Tennessee at the halftime. So back and forth first half. Then you go to the third quarter, and no points are on the board. Two goose eggs in the third quarter. Then you get to the fourth and overtime. Obviously, things, uh, things happen there, but just a weird flow of the game. A lot of ups and downs, a lot of momentum going back and forth. Certainly, and I think it was really by half, and a lot of that was certainly because Keaton Slovis going down with an injury on his last play, or Pitt's last offensive play in the first half, which, uh, kind of jumping out of order here, but I mean, that one of, the, one of the biggest plays of the game, I mean, think about right at 30 seconds left in the half, uh, Pitt was out of timeouts, they had, didn't even put a returner back when Tennessee had just punted to him the, day, the play before, it seemed like they were going to be pretty content just to take things into the locker room, uh, down by four points, getting the ball to start the second half. Instead, they're aggressive. Tyler Barron makes uh, the best play of his Tennessee career with the yep. strip. Amari Thomas hops on the ball, and in Tennessee, with a little bit of drama in the middle, ends up getting a field goal to go up by seven at halftime. But no, I mean, the first half, it was lots of offense, lots of offense from both sides, really. Um, Tennessee's offense obviously struggled pretty badly on their first, I think, first three drives, two three and outs, and then turned, o- turned it over on downs. Uh, but from, and then in the second half, it was no offense from either side. And again, slow, no. No Slovis, I think, was certainly a part of that. Um, but Pitt, you know, we got to give credit to Pitt's defense. And Pat Narduzzi and his defensive staff, fourth game in the last five years against Josh Heupel. Josh Heupel and his offensive system, least amount when in regulation, 27 points, least amount of points Tennessee scored, or Heupel's offense has scored in any of those games. And it certainly seemed like Narduzzi and his group got the best of Heupel and his group. But... They're not just often they're not offense coordinators and defense coordinators. They're offense head coaches and defense head coaches. And Tennessee's defense won today. And Josh Heupel just raved about that group in the postseason. And uh, they were really really good in the second half. They were really really good after the first four drives of the game. I mean, first four drives I think Pitt scored 17 points, and then Tennessee had an interception in the end zone. After that, it, even late in the, the first half, Tennessee's defense really stepped up and. and played a really strong game. Yeah, there was a lot of, and I said this on our Instant Reaction show, which, by the way, in case you missed any of that, you can go and find it on YouTube under the RTI page. But I thought there was a lot of bend but don't break from the from the Tennessee defense here. And you saw why eventually that was important. I mean, just going back to 
what was the first drive of the game. Pittsburgh gets a, a knocks through a 30-yard field goal just less than five minutes into the game. But that was on a drive where, where they just, I mean, they easily made it down the field. And that was after a Tennessee three and out to start the game. So Tennessee's defense kind of gets down there towards the, towards the end zone. They're, they're really having to uh, play with their backs against the wall. And they eventually, they do hold. They, they do not break. They do bend a little bit, but don't break. And, and eventually kind of hold Pittsburgh to a field goal. And you can see where those kind of things happen throughout the game and, and why that was obviously beneficial for Tennessee. Now, uh, something that you just mentioned was uh, Nick Patty coming in the second half for, for Pittsburgh and uh, after Keaton Slovis goes down with that with that last play of, or one of the last plays of the first half or so, that was a moment where I really thought that Tennessee was going to that this game could could get split wide open or at least um, or at least separate Tennessee could separate themselves a little bit. We, we felt like, hey, okay, Tennessee's had a, a half to work with to to kind of get some of the jitters out, get their offense under control, and now Pittsburgh suddenly is starting the second half without their starting quarterback. Really felt like that was a, a place where Tennessee was going to make some separation with, but they just didn't. The, the offense kind of looked a little bit sluggish throughout the game. It, I don't want to say the offense was, was bad because they, I don't think they were. Uh, and you had, I mean, 320 receiving yards. More than that, uh, you had quite a over 100 yards on the ground as well. But it just didn't feel like things were as in sync, I think, as you would have maybe wanted them to, as maybe you would have assumed them to. Now, I don't look at this as a, as a long-term problem for Tennessee. We'll see how they cleaned up in the next few weeks. But what did you think about that? I always thought the play calling was a little strange at times, just trying to figure out what they needed to do to be successful in that moment. Yeah, no, I think you're right in the sense of it was a lot, which we don't see a ton because Tennessee's offense has been so good. It was a lot of figuring out just how to get the first down. Sure. And you saw a lot of times, and you know this is normal, if you're gonna, you know you're going to go for it on fourth down, you play for it on fourth down. We saw multiple Tennessee runs on third and intermediate. And in a game where Tennessee's tailbacks really couldn't get much of anything going. I mean, Jalen Wright had a solid day with 47 uh, yards on nine, nine carries, but really didn't get another carry after his crucial fumble in the second half. But uh, I, you know, I would go a step farther. I, I don't think Tennessee's offense was good today. It was really good in the second quarter. Um, and kind of to your original point, the fact that you know Tennessee scores three straight touchdowns, um, and then they get a field goal on their last drive uh, after the turnover, and that first drive with in the second half when Patty was in the game, it was really the first third down. It, he had plenty of time, and he pretty quickly looked to scramble, and yeah. it just kind of said to me, this guy's not comfortable, and he's not comfortable in here, and and Pitt ended up getting a first down on that play because of the defense holding on, I believe Kamal Haddon. Uh, but that, that carried on, and it just felt like Tennessee is going to break this game open. And if Tennessee can get this thing to a two-possession game, I, this pit offense doesn't have yeah. the firepower without Slovis to come back, but they couldn't do it. And it, it was just missed opportunity after missed opportunity. Cedric Tillman uh, drops might be a little dramatic of a word, but uh, had a deep ball in, in the end zone he probably would have liked to have, and that's a drive that Tennessee started in pit territory and ends up being a blocked punt, and Pitt takes over in Tennessee's red zone. And then, uh, obviously... You had the Jalen Wright fumble that I just mentioned. Tennessee, that was a third down conversion. They were getting the midfield, had a little bit of momentum, fumble. It, it, the offense just never, certainly I wouldn't say never never seemed to get in rhythm because they got in a rhythm in, in the second quarter. But Pitt seemed to do a good job to get them out of that rhythm. And just for large stretches out of that game, Tennessee just wasn't very concise on the offensive side of the ball. You could tell that they were flustered and frustrated, I think, quite a bit throughout the, throughout the game. Just in their play calling, just trying to figure out what they wanted to do 
Uh, and I absolutely agree with everything you said. But one of the bright spots that comes from the offense is uh, something that someone that needs no introduction. Ryan, you just mentioned his name as well, but Cedric Tillman. Uh, yeah. I mean, man, he, you can certainly tell that him and Hooker are. Uh, him and Hinton Hooker have a next-level connection with each other. I think that's something we certainly heard a lot about throughout the season. But you could really tell tonight when there was situations where they maybe they didn't feel as comfortable as they would have liked to or as comfortable as they have in other situations. Maybe if it was just specific coverage that, that Hinton Hooker wanted. Man, he was looking at Cedric, He was looking in Cedric Tillman's direction, and a lot of the times that's exactly who he was targeting. Uh, not a bad person to target as one of the SEC's absolute best receivers, but... Man, you can really tell that when when this offense gets a little bit in trouble, that's the that's certainly a guy that they're going to rely on. Yeah, I mean, he had 16 targets tonight, <laughs> and he had 162 yards in a game where he could have had 225. I mean, I just think off the top of my head, 48-yard touchdown in the yep. ball. I just mentioned a second ago he dropped on one of Tennessee's scoring drives in the second. Uh, I think maybe to play before Tennessee hit Jacob Warren down to the one-yard line. Uh, Hooker missed overthrew Tillman when he was wide open or one of those drives I might be getting it mixed up where Tennessee scored in the second quarter and then another one uh, was really a, a critical drop the Tennessee's best drive in the second half uh, they were driving it in the deep into Pittsburgh territory I believe it was second and 10 or around the 25 Tillman drops the ball over the middle that would have gone for the first down and then Hooker got sacked the next play and then I think Chase McGrath made uh, one of probably going to be the the unsung he's probably going to be one of the unsung heroes of this game he boots in a 51 yard field goal uh, his one yard short of his career long his Tennessee long in his two years in Knoxville uh, and certainly and then again when Tennessee's offense there wasn't a whole lot going for him in the second half and you have the hooker touchdown run in overtime that gets called back and just like that it's second and 13 at the 28 and you're like Tennessee's in a tough spot here good play by him and hooker to avoid some pressure and then Cedric Tillman, as he said in his post-game press conference, big-time players make big-time plays in big moments. That's what he did right there. Boxed out as a defender, went up and made the play, and then Tennessee's defense obviously got it done in overtime. What did you think going into that overtime? What, what did you kind of think? Where was the momentum? Did you think that, hey, this is still Tennessee's game to win, or, or was there a little bit more a little bit more uh, doubt, uh, I would say? It was, well, there was certainly doubt. I mean, it was a mixed bag. Uh, I think it was... You know, watching Tennessee football the last 15 yeah. years, it was a classic, man, they've, they've done everything they can to lose this game, and this is going to be a game they blow. But at the same time, I think when you took a step back and looked at it from maybe a more logical point of view, Pitt's offense really couldn't do much. I think had just about 120 yards in the second half, couldn't drive the ball. Tennessee's kicking game was better than Pitt's. Pitt missed two field goals in the second, one in the first quarter, one in the first half, one in the second half. Tennessee tipped another field goal that went in. Uh, and, and so between the kicking game, it felt like Tennessee had the advantage, and the fact that Pitt really was, I still felt good about Tennessee's defense. Uh, that's kind of where mixed emotions, uh, I guess I would say. When Tennessee when Tillman scored that touchdown, you know, I felt good. I felt like Tennessee was going to win. Sure. And Pitt picks up one-fourth down originally, and then I think they had a third and goal at about the five, and Trayvon Flowers, who had his roller coaster as the game, as you can imagine, <laughs> made maybe to play at a game with a sack for what was over a 15-yard loss. And in Tennessee, I, I really like the call from Tim Banks, fourth and goal at the 20, let's go after him. They haven't been able to block us when we brought guys. Uh, Beatty was banged up from a, a sack that Byron Young had in the third quarter, looked really shaky uh, on that leg. He wasn't very mobile and said, let's not, let's go after him. He's not going to be able to elude us. That's what happened. 
Uh, Tennessee got the hit on him, pass fell, incomplete, not really near uh, receiver, and Tennessee exited with the second top 25 win of the Josh Heupel era. Yeah, and I mean, to your point right there, like there were a lot of times where I felt like, man, Tim Banks really dialed up some great plays at the right times, and a lot of those came with putting pressure on the quarterback. Did you feel like that was a step up from from what you saw last week? And, and Grant, we, we talk about the, the competition for, for Tennessee's first two weeks. Not, obviously... <laughs> Very, very different here. But did you did you see enough of an improvement that you maybe wanted to see from that defensive line unit, especially getting to the quarterback, especially in the first half there? All right, with Slovis, you knew that he was going to hold on to the ball a little bit. And then in the second half with Patty, hey, you just knew it. he's a backup who, who felt uncomfortable being in there. Were you, were you pleased with the way that Tennessee's defensive line performed after not necessarily dominating in week one, like some of them, some thought? Yeah, no, I think if you look overall, the defense line was definitely, you know, thought they performed really well. Uh, it's just because I thought they were good in the run game. I mean, uh, not even, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, but Israel, the first name for the pit running back, he broke off a long run, a touchdown run there in the first half, but especially in the second half, and, and granted with Slovis not in, Tennessee probably keyed on the run a little more. Tennessee's run defense was great. Uh, they didn't let Pitt... Pitt clearly wanted to control the game on the ground when Slovis yeah. went out, and which makes complete sense, and Tennessee didn't let them do that. When I look at... Maybe the defensive line from a pass rush standpoint, they were certainly good. I mean, we're talking about a game where Tennessee had four sacks, they had 16 quarterback hurries, and Byron, like I said, Tyler Barron made a huge play in there, Byron Young had a sack. But more than anything, I think you give credit to Tim Banks. I mean, he dialed up a lot of blitzes where Tennessee linebackers, Tennessee uh, stars, Tennessee safeties on Trayvon Flowers on that. They came in untouched and yeah. got in the backfield, and Slovis was much better suited to find the soft spots on those zone blitzes uh, than uh, Patty was. But uh, I think it, it kind of goes both ways. You know, Tennessee, when they brought four, weren't overly successful. But they didn't bring four a ton. I mean, they, they blitzed a lot. And it was a lot of zone blitzes. And, and I think especially when Slovis went down, Slovis handled them well. Even though he kept getting hit and he made some mistakes and he got away with a couple of mistakes, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was uh, certainly a strong performance from Tennessee's defensive line. And I think a... You know, I think people were getting. People, I saw some people comparing it to South and Sari, uh Bob Shoop defense in the first quarter, but I, I thought it was a really good game for for Tim Banks in that group. Yeah, there were there were a lot of times, and, and just going back to some of the the blitzes that that Banks dialed up. You're right, using the secondary in those, I, I thought was very effective. I mean, some of the times you wouldn't even notice it. You would just see kind of pressure coming down. You, you'd see the, the the quarterback being hurried, and then all of a sudden Trayvon Flowers or Jalen McCullough pops up, and you're like, wow, they they did a really good job of kind of disguising that right rolling a guy down and getting him to a good place and again you could see why you could see where that was successful for Tennessee one guy in particular that name we just mentioned who had uh one heck of a game for for a lot of different reasons Trayvon Flowers yeah I mean starts off the game I believe what was that interception the end zone in the first quarter yeah I I believe first quarter at 10-0 Pittsburgh at that point and it was third down so, you know, it's probably – they weren't scoring a touchdown on the play. I think it was, got deflected by Haddon. But still, then to hold him to no points there, uh, that was huge. That was a big play to kind of help Tennessee get its footing. And I think Tennessee answered with their, their first touchdown of the drive – first touchdown drive of the game right after that. So feeling pretty good about Flowers there. Second quarter starts and just about a minute <laughs> into it. Big Bartholomew, the tight end for Pittsburgh, takes a pass down the right sideline right in front of the pit bench. Trayvon Flowers goes in for the for the angle, and you know he goes low to hit him. Bartholomew skies high, leaps over Trayvon Flowers for the uh, in route to the 57-yard touchdown. 
Josh Heupel talked about that a little bit afterwards. Some of the players talked a little bit about that afterwards. Just the kind of player that Trayvon Flowers is to be able to say, hey, look, I, I know what happened there. Uh, I, I know. It was embarrassing. It was a yeah. horribly embarrassing play. Yeah. It's going to be on top ten. It's going to be talked about for a long time. It's probably Bartholomew's best play ever. But he was able to take that play, put it in the back of his brain, move on, and, and still be able to come out and, and provide some extremely critical plays for this Tennessee defense, especially in overtime. Yeah, he did. And the, the muff putt, too, which was... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, did that it? was the biggest mistake of the game for Tennessee... Made a lot, a lot, a lot of mistakes. That was the biggest one. Just because what we said, I mean, it was like 122 total yards for Pitts offense in the second half. Even Tennessee was just up seven, and the offense wasn't playing great. But it still was, it just felt like, just make make Pitt earn it. Make Pitt go 75, 80 yards and earn it. Do not give him anything easy. Do not give him another short field. And right after Tennessee's defense had gotten a three and out with eight minutes left in the game, you get the ball back at the offense. A chance if you score, you really put the game away. If not, you know, get just what I said, get in the position to, to pin Pittsburgh defense deep and make their offense earn it. Tennessee and Flowers has a huge mistake, and Pitt gets the ball inside Tennessee's 40-yard line. And even then, it just again, everything Pitt's offense got once Caden, or Keaton Slovis went down was so, so difficult. They converted yeah. two fourth downs on that drive, including a fourth and goal at the five, in which, uh, again, Tennessee drew up the pressure. Tennessee got very quick, uh, quick pressure. Jeremy Banks got there and, and hit uh, the quarterback as he threw, and then it was contested coverage. Warren Burrell was right there in, in the end zone. Is can't remember who it was that hauled in that touchdown pass, but uh, everything just came really, really hard for Pitt. And obviously, that Flowers mistake I think was the biggest of the game. But again, to the, to your overall point, uh, it was a great way for him to respond to, to make the the huge play in, you, in overtime. You know, there were a lot of those. A lot of those moments, especially in the second half, and you really, man, especially in that third quarter where Tennessee was just struggling so much to put up points on the board, and you had a lot of moments where you said, just, hey, if Tennessee can just get some points on the board here, if they can just find a touchdown, if they can just extend this thing to a two-score lead, man, that would really do a lot in putting some confidence in people's heads because you're right, Pittsburgh's offense wasn't doing much at the same time, but each time Tennessee kind of started to creep in to have that opportunity, I won't say each time because... Obviously, they, they did make it to the end of the game, but there were quite a few times, especially in the second half, where Tennessee shot themselves in the foot a little bit, right? They, they damaged themselves a little bit. You're, obviously, you just explained it very well with the, with the punt return, so that just just piggybacking off of that. But a lot of, there are a lot of things for Tennessee to clean up, and Josh Heupel said that after the game. He said, look, we are far uh, from a finished product, and I think everybody watching the game saw that tonight. It was weird to have a game afterwards where there are more talking points about the defense than the offense. Yeah, it is. And we go, you know, I made the point on podcast a couple weeks ago, previewing the season. Now Tennessee's got Josh Heupel's two and three in close games in his tenure in Tennessee, and it was the defense who made the winning plays in those two wins at Kentucky and then today. And you're absolutely right. It was the defense won the day for Tennessee, and one guy that I think we'd be remiss not to mention is just what. Um, Aaron Beasley did. I mean, he was all around the ball, ended up with 14 tackles, a tackle for loss, three quarterback hurries, a pass breakup. He was really good tonight, and he was really good good last week, too, against Ball State. Yeah. And he, I think Josh Heibel said at postgame, he was a completely different player, and it showed up tonight. He was Tennessee's best linebacker and maybe their best defender on the field. He was the do-it-all guy. You're he right. Was. He, he, was, he was swarming the ball. He was absolutely everywhere. And, and that was with Tennessee having a... Uh, having extremely low depth at the linebacker position. Just right before the game, 
Uh, we saw that two of Tennessee's linebackers were ruled out for in Pat Garland and uh, Juwan Mitchell for a second straight yeah. game. They needed him to play those snaps. Yeah, absolutely. So, so they needed to put a lot on Aaron Beasley's shoulders. And, and to your exact point, man, he was able to he was able to step up. He was able to fly around the field. He was able to be that that energizer bunny in the middle of Tennessee's defense. And you're right. I think that helped Tennessee a lot. And I think that you've seen a lot of continued growth from Aaron Beasley, especially going back to last year when. He was kind of that that guy next to Jeremy Banks. People knew Jeremy Banks a little bit more. Jeremy Banks has a, has a lot of personality to him in his game. So Aaron Beasley, kind of just the the the, the guy next to him. But this year, man, I, I think he's really starting to carve out a, a role for himself on this defense, which is fascinating because again, you, you do have a guy like Juwan Mitchell back there. But the more that he he's you know is continuing to uh, the, the longer that he is injured or, or unhealthy or, or you know whatever it is, uh, the the more the, these these duties are going to go to Aaron Beasley. He is earning them, and, and he is showing why uh, that is his position in the middle of the field. Yeah, certainly. And it was, like I said, it was a great night for him, and, and I think maybe highlighted more than anything the great night for Tennessee's defense. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, anything, uh, any kind of final thoughts, any kind of final takeaways from the game today? Yeah, a couple, uh, two, two things. One, and not a surprise here, but. Tennessee, they leaned on hidden hookers' legs. Uh, it was much like they did in the pit game last year where the running backs struggled to get a lot going. A lot of design quarterback runs uh, for Hooker. He ended up having 15 carries in total. I'm sure a, a couple of those were on scrambles. But it was clear emphasis. And after an offseason, you know, Tennessee wanting him to be very cautious with his legs, didn't run him hardly any last week against Ball State. It was clear coming into this game they knew they were going to need to run Hinden Hooker to win. And then secondly, I mean, we talked about – on uh, the podcast this week and you know podcast a couple weeks going back uh, how many guys is Tennessee going to play that especially when it becomes a big game and I think they tightened up that rotation a lot today I don't I don't think we saw on defense uh, Elijah Herring at all uh, we didn't see Christian Charles at all it was uh, Burrell and Haddon at corner the whole game we did see some rotations uh, at star and we of course saw rotations along the defensive line and then you flip to the offensive side of the ball i got to give myself credit. I think I was on this one where Josh Heupel, Tennessee's offensive staff, they're talking about wanting to play six or seven receivers. And I said, number four is not coming off the field in a, in a big game, and he didn't tonight, maybe more than a snap or two. It was 95% of the time it was Brew McCoy, Cedric Tillman, yeah. and Jalen Hyatt on the field. I think Jimmy Callaway got a couple of snaps. I know I think probably Ramel Keaton got uh, the most snaps of anybody, not in those three. But those were the guys they were rolling with, and I think – in competitive games, that's going to be a consistent theme for Tennessee. Yeah, and on that exact point, Brew McCoy uh, again yeah. ha- has oh, another physical. has another nice game for Tennessee. I think you you started to see a little bit of a coming out party last week. Maybe just for him, just good to to finally get back into a game, right? And you saw just how physical he was. You saw how amped up he was to be out there. And then today for Tennessee, man, the guy is a difference maker in what he was able to do. He was able to. Uh, haul in a, a, a very important touchdown for Tennessee. Was able to to kind of beat that man on the side and really haul in that pass in the end zone. I know the the guy ended up slipping, but you know still fighting for fighting for control down the sideline. But man, I, I absolutely think that Brew McCoy is going to be a contributor to this Tennessee team. And I really like the three receivers that they have and what they bring to the table. You have two guys on the outside who are big physical receivers. On that note as well, though. There are a couple, plenty of times where, where Cedric Tillman is getting behind the defense. I think you can see that he, he is certainly quicker this year. But I like that diversity between those three receivers. I like the variety, what they each bring to the table. You have the two guys on the outside who are big physical receivers 
that you can throw it up to. We saw Hendon Hooker do that quite a bit uh, tonight, but then you also have a guy like Jalen Hyatt who, uh, who, was, who was making his money tonight, working in that slot, working a little bit of the finesse, working some of those screen passes. So Tennessee's certainly going to have to continue to evolve what they do, but you are absolutely right. You, you, you've been on it for a little while now. Tennessee's uh, assistant coaches saying throughout the fall, you know, hey, yeah, we got a lot of talent. We want to really use them. We want to rotate maybe six, seven, eight, maybe even nine guys. And you you were right from the start. Hey, you know, uh, that might be a little bit of an exaggeration. When, when this gets to crunch time, we know who Tennessee's going with. Yeah, certainly. And you mentioned Brew. Uh, I'd play, I'd be remiss. Obviously, he had a nice touchdown touchdown uh, catch in, in the first half. And another play that I'd be remiss not to mention on that drive where Chase McGrath made the 51-yard field goal. Tennessee was in third and eight quickly. Uh, Pitt looking at another three and out. Hooker looks Tillman's way. He's covered, turns, throws a little comeback route to McCoy. Uh, he catches that ball about two, three yards short of the first down with his man right there on him. And he just bullied him and picked up the first down. That was a huge play. Rue McCoy's physicality was on it was on display tonight. Two, two really nice plays there in what was a, a strong game for him. It's been quite the weekend in Pittsburgh, huh? It has. Albert Pujols hit 696 tonight. It's been a busy, busy... Wait, what was that? Albert Pujols, he hit 696 tonight. Tied. Did he? Yeah. He couldn't do it with a hater like me in the building last night <laughs> as I booed him on. Is that what we're looking at right across the street? Is that PNC that is, Park? Yeah, the game's over now, but yeah, that is PNC Park. Uh, okay. Right over... Just a little bit away from uh, Acrisure Stadium. Yeah, it's it's a cool city, man. It's been it's been great here. A lot of great people who have uh, who have been nice to us, but... Stadium has been awesome. It's been a, uh, a certainly a fun weekend. And then, of course, just getting to end the weekend with a victory, I, I think, is great for this Tennessee team. I, I think it obviously builds momentum to what you're looking at next, and that's that Week 4 matchup. Or at least the fans are. This Tennessee team, they, they know that they got Akron coming up next on Saturday. But I think uh, for anybody who's not playing on the field, all eyes are on that Week 4 matchup with Florida. Yeah, and I'm sure everybody listened to it already know, but you know, right as we been recording this Kentucky just beat Florida down in Gainesville and wrapped up that win and you know I feel I'm really upset about myself that I didn't uh, my pickums I didn't pick Kentucky I did put Florida only as I think my one or two game but it just, it just game just felt like a vintage upset I mean Florida spent all week hearing about how great they were yeah. they jumped from unranked to number 11 in the poll you know Anthony Richardson was Vince Young and if he wasn't Vince Young then he was Cam Newton and if he wasn't Cam, <laughs> if he wasn't Cam Newton he was the other number 15 to play quarterback at Florida for about a, about a decade and a half ago it just felt like with a new coaching staff uh, with a team that isn't super deep isn't hasn't won a ton that this was a, a game that Kentucky was really flying under the radar and had a chance to win mad at myself that I didn't fully commit and, <laughs> and, and go on the upset but uh, we'll maybe take a little bit of the luster uh, out of that uh, Florida, Tennessee, from a national standpoint, sure. not from a Tennessee standpoint, from a national standpoint, that matchup. And I was going to, you know, my first thought was, man, that might mean, you know, Florida loses. That might mean Tennessee, that game slips from the CBS into a night game spot. And then it hit my head. The, the game they're competing with, you know, the best games in SEC that day is Arkansas A&M, and A&M lost to App State today. So yeah. I think that loss will probably be a little more detrimental for uh, the, the way broadcasters view those matchups than uh, – or TV companies view, yeah. the, view that matchups than uh, Kentucky beating Florida. But should be fun, and we'll be back uh, later in the week to, to break down what we need to know about Akron. Yeah, that's exactly right. We'll, we'll come to you about in the middle of the week. We'll, we'll, talk some, uh, we'll talk some Tennessee football. We'll talk some SEC football. We'll talk about Akron. We'll, we'll do all that good stuff. But for us today, that's going to uh, wrap it up for our Instant Reaction Press Pass podcast here in the press box of the, uh, what is this, Akershire? Akershire? Acker sure? I think sure, but that's... Acker sure? 
All right, possibly. we're going with that. Acrisure Stadium, formerly the artist formerly known as Heinz Field. Bring back the ketchup and mustard bottles. Yeah, the big bottles over here. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to the RTI Press Pass podcast tonight. Uh, be sure to go check out the other great platforms that RTI has. You can go follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, of course. we got a lot of great content coming out, so make sure you are checking over at the website, rockytopinsider.com. Of course, if you want to follow Ryan on Twitter, you can do that at rshump00. If you want to follow me on Twitter, that's at rick underscore butler. But, of course, make sure you're following uh, at rockytopinsider for all the news, notes, and coverage that you need to know going forward. Ryan, salute. We're going to get out of here. we got a little bit more work to do. But, man, it's been a great night. Tennessee gets their first top 25 ranked matchup victory of the Josh Heupel era at Tennessee. The, the 24th ranked Vols take down the 17th ranked Pittsburgh Panthers by a score of 34-27 to 27 in overtime. For Ryan Shumpert, for Rick Butler, you've been listening to the RTI Press Pass. We'll see you next week.